My name's Liana Berry and you're listening to Art Muse Podcast, a podcast about the intersections between art, healing and creativity. Hello and welcome to Art Muse Podcast. Today I'm going to dive a little bit more deeply into the concept of self-expression using creativity and art making. Uh, It's probably one of the most obvious conclusions that we draw between healing and art making is that it's a vehicle for self-expression. But there's just all these different complexities and challenges and questions that arise with the process. I get asked just exactly for the physicality, like what it looks like. You know, people say to me quite frequently, I'd love to use my art making in a more deeply personal and self-expressive way. But they are just unsure of how to do that and what it looks like. And in a lot of ways, I think self-expression using art making is at odds a little bit with some of the social dialogue and paradigms in our current culture. There are these two different streams, I guess, to self-expression or two different ways to, um, to respond to the art products that you make. So let's dive into it a little bit more. I wanted to start off by exploring what drives us to be creative. Um, so being creative is an innate thing. It's not something that you're born without. It really is just about how we understand our creativity. So it's again back to kind of language and culture. All of us are going to perceive the importance of um, creativity and art making differently and are going to understand what constitutes creativity differently. For example, uh, if I was to get you to write a list of all of the things that you thought were creative endeavours, I think we would come up with some similarities, but some of us would come up with quite a lot of different points. So for some people, creativity is really just about autonomy. So being able to do things in their own way, it's about being able to approach things with problem solving and with innovation. Some people see things that you know, wildly different to others as creative. Um, I know that there's plenty of people that work in science and finance and business sectors that would believe that big parts of their job are creative. And so they believe it's about creating something using the resources they have. So you're bringing something forth that hasn't existed before. So if we think of that definition, then definitely it kind of opens up creativity. And then we've got more traditional perceptions of what creativity is so a lot of people really intertwine it closely with the arts so they think of things like dance and music and acting obviously visual arts like painting and sculpting and printmaking then there's also things like cooking a lot of people feel cooking is really creative and we can thank a lot of mainstream cooking competitions for really showcasing just how personalized and creative that process can be obviously another sector that I guess does cross over with the arts a little bit but it's got a much more of a practical grounding the design world like graphic design things like building furniture or creating furnishings and textiles and landscape design and interior design Um, so they're all very very creative practices and we obviously see lots of people do them on a professional scale and we also obviously do them on a micro scale ourselves because you know we all like to make our lounge room and our bedroom or our bathroom 
um, really reflective of our tastes and make them really comfortable sanctuaries to live in. And a lot of people see it as a way to really express aspects of themselves. So it is a really, really big playing field when we say creativity and it's really exciting. I think it's just really exciting to broaden your perception of what creativity is. And so when I chat to people about self-expression, it doesn't have to be this narrowly focused process. I think sometimes we can get, and you know, I'm completely like this, we can get a little bit stuck and we can kind of get into these grooves of what we perceive and we have to really challenge ourselves to kind of step away from those self-expectations so sometimes that can be to do with fantasy and admiration and I think it probably does come from a place of connection where we connect really deeply with something and we'd like to give that a try or we admire it and it can kind of become a pedestal on what we think self-expression and creativity is and it's just not that way like there is just so many ways to be self-expressive and to play around with your self-expression and to connect with yourself through art making and creativity and self-expression and creativity has like a really interesting evolution for most of us as I said before I, I do really believe that we're all born with creative potential whatever that looks like and somewhere along the way particularly in the social and cultural settings that I come from so colonized western culture in Australia there's this real disconnect between self-expression and art making and quite a commercialization of it in other cultures from an outside perspective there does seem to be this relationship with creativity and art making where it really informs and is woven into everyday celebration um, ritual practices there's obviously without the modernization of production people had to make hand make a lot of their things whether it was clothes or baskets tools to assist them i think it's really interesting technology has contributed so much to our lives but in its absence there's a lot more time and a lot more necessity for making things with our hands and being creative and communicating with each other and it's some uh, something I'd really love to get some guests on to talk about actually so if you have a strong cultural heritage with art making then I'd love to hear from you I'd love to chat with you more about how it's woven into your people's history and how it's woven into your current identity. Bear with me I have my limitations we all have our limitations based on our background um, so it's not my intention to breeze over or undermine or m misrepresent other people's experiences. I am just talking from my own. I am talking from a place of wanting to share more, particularly for people that have or any anyone that's really struggling to reconnect with art making um, for self-expression. There's this dual narrative of how we respond to our artworks. So we either respond to them in a really personal, meaningful way, we might never, our artworks might never be shared with anyone else, or we respond to it in a way that is tied into a commercialized consumerist setting. Um, so 
that might be sharing it on social media that might be getting uh trying to create an income from your art making and neither is wrong you know i am i do have my own arts practice that i've recently reimmersed myself in and i very recently participated in a local open studios art exhibition trail in the great southern of western australia and it was such a delight to participate in that but i did sell my artwork i did have it um, hung traditionally like a in in an exhibition space and the artwork i exhibited was felt still felt incredibly personal to me and there's this transition that can happen across both these streams it's not an either or but I think being mindful of our response to our creativity and the drive to create it and what settings we're creating it for will really help you develop the skills in self-expression and doing it in a safe and nurturing and enriching way. My experience of going through various academic settings mainstream schooling i find it fascinating that that we are all born with this innate creativity but that there's these situations and responses to it collectively that can really impact our long-term relationship um, with our art making and i think that does you know the grading system is responsible to that for a degree having art in schools is I still feel incredibly important and I get frustrated because I think it really has diminished in recent years. Um, I hear from a lot of parents that they don't have specialist art teachers in schools anymore and that it's the classroom teacher is relied upon to integrate art activities into the curriculum and I'm sure some of them do an absolutely incredible job but if you it's not your strong point you don't have the knowledge or you don't have the confidence that's a big ask to then have to take your cohort of you know 25 plus kids through art making and there are so many anxieties that can come with that it's really disappointing to hear actually and I know that some schools still have their specialist art teachers and I am so pleased with that and I hope that if you are an art teacher listening to this that you can find some opportunities and that you don't underestimate the importance of your role in teaching young people and children how to value their self-expression and working within a system the grading system really creates this sense of being you know needing to be good enough or being talented or like I I spend a lot of time dealing with the consequences of this notion that you have to be good at art or that this is standard and if you're not you shouldn't really do it and I think that has its roots in um, academic grading if you fail art you get a or you get a C and your friend who loves art just as much as you gets an A like what is that teaching people what is that teaching you what is that instilling in kids that you know oh what I'm expressing isn't good and I mean that's it's just silly on so many levels because as soon as you start digesting and being exposed to a larger art world it just doesn't make sense like there is so much diversity and if if we are fixated on success and monetary proficiency for a second you know there is artists that make a lot of money and are considered highly profitable and successful and 
impactful in the world and they have such varying methodologies and styles and mediums and you know everyone knows that there's like abstract genres and then there's realistic genres and there's impressionist and there's this age-old process of artists learning from masters and technique evolution and that does come from studying other artworks and art history is incredibly intriguing and interesting and so important to kind of look through i think not only does it tell you a lot about history and people's experiences through time it's you know a time capsule but you know there's so much to learn off the way that other people approach art making so there is absolutely nothing wrong with learning instructionally and exploring through copying and trying other artworks especially you know when we're young and, and we're open and we're confident and we're you know we're willing to give it a go but it's the grading that comes in after that so if you're an art teacher and you have any scope i guess for instilling in your students the fact that art making is all about intention and fulfillment and exploration and play and it's messy and it's imperfect and it's about the relationship then please do i'm not saying that you're not going to have to grade your students i don't know how you get around that um perhaps you could just give the entire the entire your entire cohort gra- the same grade um i know that there's curves and things that you, you need to attach to so it's not that simple but you definitely see the, the consequences i think it just bleeds out into our adulthood so many people stop making art and that can be obviously in a response to time and having the space to be able to be expressive but i think it is also really about this narrative and dialogue in my culture around being good at it so many people eventually muster the courage to send themselves to an art class or their children come to art classes and they just or I do a family session and there's just so much anxiety and doubt it's just really disappointing you do not have to be good at art to make it I don't even know what good means to be honest like but if let's just go with that word because it's used and if you feel like you're not good at it i will say it one more time for the people at the back you do not have to feel like your art is good to make it it can be so enriching so i hope you don't deprive yourself of your creativity based on judgment okay so i think the interesting thing about art making is in and it starts off in that academic setting is this concept of sharing your artwork for others to view and i think some of that is natural i see it a lot in children they want to share their artwork and they seek a a really relational component of through that process so many children will say to me guess what it is guess what, what what i've drawn when i show interest in what they're creating oh that looks really interesting tell me more about that can see how hard you've been working and oh this bit looks really detailed tell me more about it they'll be like guess guess what it is liana 
and I'll be like, oh, that makes me nervous. I don't know if I want to guess because I don't want to get it wrong and disappoint you. And they're like, no, 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 guess. And when I first started having that experience that I've had like dozens and dozens of times working with kids, I used to be, what is this? Like, why do they want me to guess? Why don't they just say, oh, it's a polar bear? And I mean, kids do that as well. They're like, oh, look at this scribble. It's a polar bear. And you're like, oh, wow, I can't see even an eye. <laughs> um, but it's something about wanting to be seen and validated and understood. You know, holding up a picture to someone and saying, guess what it is, is can you see me? Can you validate me? Do I make sense? Can I be understood? So that is a really innate thing and I think we it's what we all do with our artwork when we share it we say can you see and connect with me what value do you find in this and of course it's personal so I mean that's a big discussion if you want to be an exhibiting artist or even a hobbyist that shares their artwork and sells it and outside of your trusted and safe people you really have to spend some time reflecting and picking apart the parts of you that are motivated to do it for validation and figuring out how it will impact you if you're not seen which is what my anxiety is in those art classes or art therapy sessions with children and why I always make it clear like oh I'm feeling nervous I don't want to get it wrong because I'm really aware that it's important for them to get a connective emotional feedback from me a relational result and getting that guess wrong seeing the wrong thing oh it's a donkey instead of a polar bear is a relational rupture it feels rejective we do that as adults and perhaps we don't go guess what it is (laughs) um so much but we still seek feedback we say do you like it do you love it would you buy it like it on facebook like it on instagram you know social media has amplified that a million fold because it exposes our creativity to such a diverse audience of strangers instantly but it's also this really finicky convoluted medium in which people will view it and not always take action on it I've looked at plenty of things that I think are incredibly heartfelt and intriguing and mysterious and gritty and beautiful and not press like and you know you just you're vulnerable and you have no control over who is seeing it and why they're seeing it and what their position is that they're coming from and Yeah, there's this relinquishing of control when we share our artwork and that is really something that needs to be a mindful process and that happens in any space where we put it up, whether it's on social media or whether it's on our website or whether it's, you know, in the town hall at the local exhibition or whether we send it off to be entered into an awards competition. We have other people viewing it and bringing their position and their lens and their perception that's where it gets tricky if we're making for reasons of self-expression 
So I really advocate for you to reflect if you are sharing your artwork on why and what you hope to gain from it and whether it's important to you and also how you're going to look after yourself. Even on a, in a family sense, I have sometimes been pretty excited by a concept or something that I'm creating and I've gone to show someone and they've asked me a question that has completely derailed me or they've gone, oh, I think the arm's a bit out of proportion. <laughs> I mean, most of the time it's, cr- it's uh, critical feedback that's really helpful. But if I'm not in a place where I'm prepared to receive that and I've rushed into it um, because I've been looking for a connection with that person and I'm using it as a means to get there then I'm setting myself up for the opposite where there's a little relational rupture like oh well actually I was really excited to show you this and now all you can point out is that I've got the proportions wrong or that you think the green is too bright and people have their aesthetic tastes People will think of things differently. Something someone else thinks is glary and naff. Someone else is going to think is absolutely delightful and playful and love it. I mean, that's why we've all got different art on our walls or on our wish lists or, you know, bedspread patterns. You know, we all have different tastes. So I'm not well rehearsed at it, but I, I do try and before I share my artwork, think about what I want from the situation. And if it is actually, I just want some approval and some validation and some connection. Is there a safer way to receive that? You know, am I rushing into it? Is my artwork only a quarter finished? And is it that I do actually just want some feedback? You know, art making can be a lonely process. Yeah, there's lots to think about with with self-expression and how we treat our products and when we share them and how we share them. That obviously extends to making money off creativity and if we are if you are going to give it a go, you do need to think about what that relationship with money and that response with money will do to your relationship with your own art making and using it as a vehicle for self-expression. I think It is important to build some resilience and some skills in detaching yourself from monetary value. Because if you don't sell an artwork or a show, you know, there's (laughs) most artists and creative professionals will tell you if you ask them the amount of artworks that have gone unsold, um, whole shows that potentially have gone unsold and rejection letters and I mean writers have always historically been amazingly open with this and they will tell you I have had dozens and dozens or hundreds of rejection letters and some of them keep them and they fill up drawers and folders and files and some of them will say but I persisted you know I persisted because this had value to me and I wanted to keep going because of that value and others will quit because sometimes it turns out it's not what they wanted but sometimes which is really sad it's because they attach other people's perceptions you know that school grading that concept that it's not beautiful or it's not successful that it's not valued and so therefore I shouldn't be doing it they don't like it 
so it's not good enough. No, <laughs> we have to reverse that. So it's good enough for me and I'm sharing it because I want to put it out into the world for some other people to be connected with. And, you know, there's you know, there's always ands, you know, and I want to make a living off this and I want to spend time doing what I think is important. So, yeah, it's worth, worth unpicking that. And even the most successful, prolific artists will still have a, a privacy bubble, I guess. Let's call it a privacy bubble. So they will still have a privacy bubble where they still make artwork that never sees anyone else's eyes. It's really fruitful to have a space where you can just be without any expectation. And then have the artwork and the creative products that you're driven to connect and collaborate and seek relational connection through. And I'm so thankful that people are vulnerable and share that because there is there is something so lovely about seeing yourself in someone else's artwork, seeing humanity. And I think that's what we express when we use art for self-expression. It is really just about expressing humanity and we can live a living legacy and sometimes a legacy after artists have passed away where there's still a point of connection a portal to sharing the human experience and sharing pain or love or curiosity or playfulness so i'd love to chat a little bit more about this idea of process art and also the symbolic mind so process art has had a huge takeoff in some countries, I think particularly in the US. I have seen it sprinkled throughout Australia and there are some process-based art studios popping up um, here, which is really exciting. I have also seen a lot of confusion about what process art actually means. And I think process art, you know, it's all in the name. It is about the process over the product. And that really challenges people and I have seen quite a few art studios and kids art classes where there is still a uniformed product at the end. And that's not to be super critical but it's really, there should not be a uniform outcome from being process driven. It really is just about immersing yourself in the process and relinquishing control of what the outcome would be. And that often requires like a playfulness and a dynamic engagement with art materials in an energetic way that steers clear of form and prescriptive method to be able to get that full benefit. The Tate website cites that the process of art making remains a prominent aspect of the completed work so that a part or even the whole of its subject is the making of the work. So I think that's really fascinating, this concept that the end result can be the process itself. And I mean, it's, it's all ambiguous terms, like art can be really hard to distill into language because if we do stop and think about it, well, we can see all process of creation, like brush strokes and movements and notes and fingerprints and indents and pencil marks like we can see elements of a process through any art product 
Yeah, it is this continuum, I think, and trying to articulate it is a, is a difficult thing. But when we when it comes to self-expression and wanting to connect with a deeper part of yourself while you're art making, I think there is so much value in focusing on the process rather than the product. And that some of that can be it can be helpful to trust yourself and trust some of the workings of creativity. And two of those workings are this idea of play and exploration and learning through doing. So that's where process art has so much value and why I do get excited when I do see process art studios is it's really re-immersing people back into this concept of just being and mark making and exploring and being spontaneous with art materials although it can be really uncomfortable at first if you don't do it much it can really organically lead you to the things that are meaningful to you and things that will develop within your practice you will find colors or ways of creating or strategies that you connect with that you want to try over and over and over again and The other component is this trust of the symbolic mind. So our conscious thinking is so dominant. And what I think is really fascinating sometimes is that people make assumptions that creative people know what they're creating. And I would, I can't speak for everyone. And people, you do make intentional art where you're like, I want this to have a message and I'm advocating for this or I, you know, I really want to represent this in my artwork. But so often, artists create by letting go and allowing their symbolic mind to be able to have the room to express itself. And that is why it can be really frustrating when you're pulled into a situation where you haven't had the time to unpack and digest exactly what it is you've created and what it means to you. And you're like, I don't know. I I can't explain my artwork in a way that will make sense to you because there are all these layers of unknown that have happened and it can be super fascinating to make a lot of artwork to step away from it for a bit and then to look back on it and I think that's also sometimes why we discuss our art with other people because we're intrigued to make sense of it and it can be really difficult when you're really close to it so sometimes talking to other people yeah they'll see things in it they'll see forms in it there'll be common associations or translations and it can definitely like aid you in that reflection of what it what it means and I think again there is so much detail to this conversation because there is we all have different associations and different symbolic forms and I think I'm going to probably have to really sit down and nut it out and probably do a whole podcast episode on symbolism Um, and there's lots of lovely resources and writers and academics who will have articulated it and I know have articulated it really well or just ask the questions they just know how to ask the questions that were that may remain unanswered there's this way of expressing ourselves symbolically that we don't have control over I guess what I'm trying to say is if you want to make art in a more self-expressive way a big part of that process is learning to let go and learning to relinquish that control and trusting that the process will teach you and the process will teach you about yourself 
and that also if you do want to make more form-based art which when I say form it's the things that are recognizable so if you want to make something with people in it or with a car in it or a cupcake you know these recognizable forms is trusting yourself so trusting the magnetism and the attraction and also trusting that your brain can symbolize the things that represent your internal space a really interesting thing that people often find is that they're creating the same thing over and over and over again and there's like this magnetism to certain things whether it's horses or whether it's certain colors or whether it's splashing paint a certain way or modeling bowls a certain way or the structure of your songs are similar and there's a seesaw relationship with that um, some people are really pleased to find that because it creates an identity and it creates a recognizable style a personality a style a modality um, that you know particularly if you are looking to enter into a more public sphere you are recognized for and other people find that frustrating like why do I keep creating the same thing over and over and over again and they get frustrated with themselves and that you know that's an expectation that expectation that we should be able to diversify and we have an intention to and then we end up back in the same place and I think we have to really, it's, it can be really useful to look at why, like why are we magnetized to certain things? And one of my dear friends, who's actually on the podcast, Deborah, having a chat one day and she, and I guess asked that question in our conversation, do we create the same things because the meaning is still valid for us? And I, you know, I think that is so true. We will keep creating things until it's no longer of value we're magnetized to create in the same way through process or we're creating the same type of product it's because it's still holding meaning to us we're still getting something out of that and that might be because we haven't quite translated it into the way that we want to communicate it yet and we're still kind of pushing and exploring and finding that outer boundary or it be because it's feeding something in us whichever one it's of value and that's just reframing that frustration and going well I'm creating this because it's important to me you know is it important for me to be playful and messy and chaotic because I'm not able to let that express itself anywhere else in my life but I can do it when I'm flinging paint at a canvas or a wall or is it because I am processing something existential? You know, I'm trying to make sense of the world and I'm magnetized back to the same content because that's where my heart is. It's trying to make sense of heartbreak or it's trying, it's trying to make sense of pain or grief or love, you know, and the symbolic forms that keep popping up are there because they continue to hold meaning for us and you know that can be a really short amount of time or that can be a really long amount of time and I think we tend to speed things up like oh gosh I've been creating the same way for five years like why am I still here is there anything wrong with that if you're still there in 30 years that's fine as long as you allow yourself to be there and you're doing it for you and not anyone else if you're there 30 years later and it feels like an absolute burden and chore and you're only doing it because 
that style of your painting sells at the Christmas markets and the other one doesn't, then you do have to question why you're doing it. But when it comes to self-expression, it really is about the relationship with yourself. I guess if I'm trying to be a little bit more concrete and articulate for those of you that are like, well, how? How do I start being self-expressive? Then my advice would be to start small, uh, find a private space and frequently allow yourself to be. You know, whether that's through a sketchbook or a journal or having a room that you can dance in with no one watching or recording yourself singing on your phone and putting a password lock on it. I don't know. And listening to it on your headphones only. Whether that's cooking when your whole household is away so that there's only you to eat it. Find a private space to begin with. I'm not saying you don't ever need to share it with anyone but when you're trying to go from creating artwork for aesthetics to creating it for personal self-expression privacy can be incredibly helpful my next advice would just be follow the magnetism so what are you interested in trying and don't question yourself that might be something that seems quite ridiculous or quite different to what you're doing or really playful give it a go and sometimes you answer that question quite quickly you know I've certainly idealized certain things I really want to try that and then I've tried it and oh I did not this was not enjoyable at all um so it can be useful if you have a group of friends or network of any kind is to share art materials if you're having to invest in them otherwise try your op shops any of the online marketplaces or secondhand venues can be a great way to try and find some used art materials rather than having to spend money on them in your play stage because there is obviously a huge outlay art materials are expensive and certain materials are more expensive than others so you can kind of fall into a, um, a bit of a deep trench quite quickly if you are all enlivened to try the things that you're drawn to and then going out and buying lots of art materials without really knowing if it's going to stick. So my advice would be to find a lead and then to work with how that how you're going to execute that. So is your lead going to be the process? So exploring art materials and experimenting and being playful and you know you might do a list of like okay these are the art materials i'd like to try like smushy crayons and um, oil pastels or air dry clay or i'd like to try painting with watercolor or on canvas or i'd like to try the ukulele (laughs) um whatever it is you know baking cakes then let the material lead you let the material lead you in your exploration and try and relinquish the expectation of what will come the other lead you could you can work around is with the form itself so if you have a burning desire to try and have people represented in your artwork then have a go at drawing them and painting them and if you find that too excruciatingly painful because it's not turning out as it does in your mind's eye then expand it outwards so expand and expand and expand so you might try 
experimenting with someone else's style of drawing or you might try getting a photograph and collaging it in the middle and then having some expression around it or painting over it you might use magazine cutouts you might try tracing it against a window and then adding color and pattern over the top so there's lots of different ways to take your lead but you really just want to start listening to that inner voice of this is what i want to explore let me explore it and yeah there will be times where you explore it and it's not working for you and that's absolutely fine we pick up and put down so many different things and that is part of the process the process of self-expression can have a lot of clarity but it doesn't always so it's not always about jumping in and being like this is exactly what i need to do and these are the steps i need to do it um it can be a really dark space and you're in that kind of cave feeling around trying to figure out what it is that you're making sense of and that needs to be expressed and the third lead is emotion so we can try materials we can try form and we can try emotion and letting our emotions lead us if it is frustration or curiosity or joy or annoyance or sadness take it and apply what needs to be heard without judgment you might find that there's a certain material or certain process that would lend itself really well to that expression anger might need scribbling to be heard it might need tearing of bits of paper and crunching them and scrunching them and putting them back together on a bigger canvas it might be smudging and smearing and pouring and it's about listening self-expression is and creativity is really just about listening thank you so much for listening to art muse podcast if you enjoyed the episode then please like share or follow on whichever listening app you use. If you want to keep up to date on social media, the best place to find us is on Instagram at artmuse underscore podcast.